Discover the leader in you with the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthen, former New England Patriot turned PhD. I bring a new brand of inspiration and passion to audiences worldwide. Having served and consulted with Fortune 500 companies, the National Football League Players Association, and the White House, each week I will prescribe empowering, motivational, and life-changing medicine for your soul. Now, it's time to discover the leader in you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Discover the Leader in You. I am your co-host, Mariti Carthen, in the studio with Dr. Jason. How's everybody doing today? Today, we're going to be talking about answering the call to godly leadership as a woman of purpose. And I want to remind you all that we'd love to hear from you with your questions. Just give us a call at 1-888-281-1110. That's good stuff right there, honey. Thank you for that uh, intro. I just absolutely love your voice. I might have to just take you with me on the road, (laughs) make that happen. Uh, You know, I'm excited about today because I have some questions and I want to engage you because today's topic is is pretty deep, you know, at the end of the day. So here's some food for thought and some questions for our listening audience. How do you move beyond the everyday thought patterns and routines of life? Does the daily ebb and flow of your life seem boring or leave you unfulfilled? In a recent article published by Inc. Magazine, when people were asked about their purpose, they simply did not know. And in fact, they believe their purpose was tied to upward social mobility, establishing a career, accumulating wealth, competing and winning, I might add, and holding power. Their responses revealed they do not know what their purpose is and had bought into what social norms say their purpose should be. This not only creates confusion and a lack of motivation, but leads to poorly thought out choices and unfulfilled leadership potential. So if there is that much confusion about purpose in a career or business context, what is the importance of understanding your purpose and call to lead from a spiritual context? Well, on today's show, we have a very special guest. The Reverend Dr. Dianthea Gilmore will be joining us to discuss answering the call to godly leadership as a woman of purpose. But as my bride shared, before we do that, make sure you call in if you have questions to 1-888-281-1110. And please tweet your questions to me at Jason Carthen. And just a shout out to my Instagram followers. Just want to thank you so much. We are nearing 3,000 followers. Certainly are appreciate that. Don't take that for granted. And just also want to direct you to the website at jasoncarthen.com. We have some uh, great free personal development tools there. I have my video series for you there. Also the Monday Morning Leadership Minute. And the last reminder, just want to let you know that how to get booked and paid to speak will be coming up again on February 20th. We'd love to have you register at jasoncarthen.com. And we'd love to engage you. If you want to talk about accelerating your business and linking with other business owners, definitely register for the I Speak Life Academy. Great things are taking place there. Now, <clears throat> without further ado, let me introduce to you Reverend Dr. Dianthea Gilmore. She is an associate pastor at the Fidelity Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. She serves with her husband, Reverend Dr. Thomas Gilmore, senior pastor in the leadership role of Shepherds of an Inner City Congregation at the historical Fidelity Baptist Church. It's over 125 years old, everybody. The Gilmores are the first American Baptist ordained clergy couple that are pastoring together in a historical Baptist church in Cleveland. Diane Thea holds a master's degree in educational psychology, a master's of divinity in Old Testament, and a doctorate of ministry in formational counseling. 
She has completed a handbook for Christian leaders as and in, is in the process of finding a publisher. The book is called Developing Greater Intimacy with God, a resource on spiritual disciplines. Dionthea desires for us to keep her in her prayers as she completes the task that God has set before her on this wonderful journey, fulfilling his purpose in her life. Reverend Doctor, how are you today? Good afternoon. I am doing fine. I'm Dr. Jason and Mrs. Mariti Carson, I, it's an honor to be here. Oh, well, hey, you know what? We consider it an honor. Anytime we can talk to someone about operating in their purpose, and we know that we have so many listeners that may be able to glean from it. That's just an amazing thing. So we're glad to have you on. And when my bride said you would be available, I got excited. So this is a good thing. We are definitely excited to have you on the show. How are you today? I am doing just well. Perfect, perfect. Well, let's dive right into this interview because I'm anxious to hear a little more about your story. So could you tell our audience, uh, tell us about your story and your early, earliest experience with God? My earliest experience with God began um, around the age of six. I became really aware of God. Um, because of the tone of our nation, uh, we were not able to attend public school um, because of the segregation. And so we had um, our school, daycare, everything all in the annex of um, the Bethesda Church of Christ, all of my schooling from birth all the way up where we would sit in the classes, and they would have, like, picture cards with uh, lovely pictures and a story on the back. And in those, in those um, years, I began to develop and learn about the love of God and, and all the songs that we sung talked about his joy and his love. And while the other children were taking naps, I would just sort of jump into the picture, as, as you can say, and I would picture myself right there sitting at the feet of Jesus from the story that the teacher had just told us, him petting my head and telling me how much he loves me. And the phrase that says, suffer not the children to come, I was one of them. And um, so my early um, understanding of God was one that was rich and, uh, and it was powerful and it was filled with a lot of love. But that time would change real fast. Our country would move from... Um, segregation to integration, and my studies at the church annex moved to a uh, public school where I was not wanted, and our teachers were always frowning and cold, and I never heard about God, and I and um, definitely didn't hear the songs of his joy. And so that period, um, during this period, um, the country would go through a vast, um, a vast change and a lot of chaos. And at the same time, my parents were divorced. And I felt so confused, so lost. And God would meet me. I'll never forget. I was in the sanctuary of the church. I had gone over to get something for one of the teachers. And there uh, uh, was this large um, painting of Christ reaching over a great divide, trying to uh, touch heart-to-heart -heart with man. Um, the creation is called the creation of Adam. And it is a, a Michelangelo picture that depicts uh, Christ reaching over to God with their fingers touching, hand, uh, touching. And I remember God saying to me why I cried and I felt so all along. He said, my sweet Dianthea, I love you so much. I will never leave you. And at that moment, I could feel God's love and, and gentle embrace. 
And that love would carry me that through the next couple of years, we would relocate to Ohio. And for about three years, there was no there was no church, there was no music. All the songs had stopped in my heart. All, but somewhere deep down, there was still the root of what I had learned those first six years at that um, school church. I would later, I would later um, meet a pastor um, by my teen years who would um, bring me to a church, and in that church, the songs began again in my heart. I began to hear the word again. And I worked faithfully within that church under the leadership of our Reverend Dr. Jarman, who was very before his time. And I, I worked faithfully on the junior board, the usher board, the Sunday school classes. And they had something called a junior church. And occasionally they would allow um, me to teach the classes. I became very empowered by those experiences. And later on, they would move me to teach um, adult classes. So, Diane, let me let me cut in here because you <clears throat> you are a pastor's pastor. You know, sometimes I have to take the mic uh, <laughs> from pastors when they get in the pulpit. So I'm gonna do that to you right now. Okay. Uh, so one of the things that I have to do is just let's go back so we can go forward because you said so many powerful things there that our, our listening audience can really glean from. You had a period of time where you were learning and growing at, at the feet of those who had a, a true desire for you to understand the heart of God. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can just tell from just the way it was planted, you know, in your spirit and the way you're carrying it even now after so many years. But then you had something come into your your life that impacted you in a negative way. And I just don't want us to gloss over that because we had the impact of segregation and then yeah. integration and just yeah. the idea that, you know, you never lost you never lost that desire to still know the Lord and the hunger after him. And I think what our listening audience needs to be able to take away from your story so far is that there are going to be dry times. There are yeah. going to be difficult times in your life, but you have to hold on regardless of what's taking place and just know that that God's timing is perfect. I mean, would you okay. agree to that? I, I agree. I agree. And so, you know, I think one of the things that I, I really want to know and hear your heart, even with all those different things and the divorce that took place, you know, trying to navigate exactly what was going to take place now after the separation of your parents in that way, and then moving into teenage years, you know, how did you how did you navigate still wanting that relationship with God, but reconciling maybe some of the disappointments that were taking place in your life? At first, I did not reconcile it well. I felt so lost and so all alone in a new city, a new place. Um, my core family members, my dad, who I love tremendously, everyone separated in the church that had built this foundation. Uh, Culturally, uh, psychologically, and spiritually, it was all gone. And I felt lost. I had um, new peers that would trace me home, throwing rocks and calling me all kinds of names. And I just felt so lost. And once again, to avoid the rocks hitting me, I went down a street one day, and I'll never forget it. It was this clear as daylight. And the street was like lawn, um, tree lawn uh, line. It was beautiful, and I had never seen it before. 
And it was like I was crying, tears down my eyes. And it was like, Lord, why do they hate me so much? But uh, the Lord just said to me once again in that still voice, I am with you, Diantia. I will never leave you. And uh, so that would carry me until I met Reverend Jarman, who would take me in under his wings at the Fellowship Baptist Church. And there I grew under their leadership. That same foundation I had at birth through six at Bethesda Church of Christ, I received at Fellowship Baptist Church. And there I was able to grow there. They took me to uh, a conferences, and I will never forget at 16, I was at the Billy Graham Conference, and I was volunteering there with some of the other youth of our church. They were always getting us involved. And we would go down during the invitation and give out a pamphlet on how to walk in the Lord. And as they start playing the music, just says, I am without one, please. And this last night of the, um, the, um, the crusade, Billy Graham crusade, I was walking to the altar with the songs blaring, and uh, and all of a sudden, instead of ministering to others, I felt a presence like an out-of-body experience where God just lifted me from that moment and let me know that he had great things coming for me and for me to just walk into all that he had called me to. So that was my great moment of calling at 16 at the Billy Graham Crusade. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> That's powerful. <laughs> it is, you know, and and I think you know, it's just amazing how, you know, when I say God has timing, his own timing, you know, it's all about being able to receive what he has for us, too. And just the idea that, you know, you weren't at a place uh, to receive it, maybe even prior to that, but trying to avoid those rocks, you know, that's a great metaphor for something we'll pick up when we come back from break. We have to take a quick break, everybody. We are talking to Reverend Dr. Diane Thea Gilmore, and we are talking about the idea of answering the call to godly leadership as a woman of purpose. And many of us, you know, we're still trying to figure out, or maybe you're trying to figure out where you are in terms of your purpose and where you're going in this lifetime. So be encouraged. You're not by yourself. And after listening to today's show, you'll have greater clarity. I promise you that. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We are listening to Discover the Leader in You and talking about answering the call to godly leadership as a woman of purpose. And so we're going to continue this interview with Dr. Dianthea Gilmore. Dr. J, you have another follow-up question for us? Yeah. You know, when we transitioned, thank you, honey. I appreciate that. When we had transitioned, you know, I really like the idea. Well, I don't like why it happened, but I like the metaphor of avoiding the rocks, you know, and Dianthea, it sounds like you had a very turbulent time and so many things were taking place around you, but the idea of avoiding those rocks that day that people were casting at you, you were able to experience God in a new way, you know, and then having the encounter at the Billy Graham crusade and just knowing that there was something greater, you know, for our listening audience, what would you share with them relative to being obedient to answer the call into ministry, you know, when you have that encounter with God? I guess the one thing is whatever the enemy means for evil for our lives, God can turn those things around for good. 
at that time, I, I did not see the greater picture. And sometimes we can get caught up in our own self, the woe is me, um, pit dwelling place, why is this happening to me? But I am so thankful that God placed mentorships and uh, those of leaders, those people of purpose all around me. As I look back and I was preparing for the show, I thought of all the people that God had placed in me, uh, placed before me, around me. And as we step into all that God has for us, not fearing, but trusting him and walking step by step with him, those things will unfold. That's good stuff right there. And I, and I think it's a level of maturity, too, Dorothea, because, you know, when people experience God, it may be a new thing. And it, it can be kind of hard, especially if you haven't been exposed to it before, because sometimes, you know, it's been my reality after 20 some years in full time ministry. You understand that everyone is going to develop in different ways and everyone is going to react differently to what God is trying to get them to understand about their lives. So that maturity piece is huge. And I guess one of the things, it's another lead in to a question I have for you. You know, when did you first receive your call into the ministry? And before you answer that, just so our listening audience understands, because we have all sorts of people from all different <laughs> places listening in, the call to ministry is when God places uh, a definite feeling. Uh, he speaks to you. He lets you know that, yes, I do want you to go into ministry. And at that point, it's a calling that must be validated. You must understand that, yes, this is something that I'm going to do and I'm not going to deter from it. And I'm going to move forward and walk in that. So when did you first receive your call in the ministry? My first call in the ministry was at the Billy Graham Crusade. And there I received uh, a piece about what God was calling me to. I didn't understand everything. And I would go to my pastor and two of my leaders at that church at the time, Fellowship Baptist Church, and they would confirm what God had already said to me. My pastor said right away, we've seen it all along. And what they did at that time when they saw it, they, and they surrounded me with all kinds of opportunity to move forth in that teaching classes, sending me to um, youth um, camps and youth conferences. And they just surrounded me, encouraged me with that. And wow. so that, that is when I first received it, 16 years old at the Billy Graham Crusade. And that, that's powerful. And you can just imagine that, you know, when you're young and, and you have these signs from God and this relationship that you're building with God, how easy would it have been for you to just turn away and not listen to the calling and, and been 16 and taking a different route? And so kudos to you for, for listening to your heart and being obedient, which leads me to my follow-up question. What are some of the challenges of answering the call that, that you're facing? My challenges mainly has been one of gender. My pastor saw the call and encouraged me to attend at the time Bishop College down in Texas that would grow me and, and validate what the call on my life as I studied there. But before I was to go off to school and apply for all these different schools, he would die um, in our, my 11th grade year. And it seemed that that call upon my life began to die then because those in leadership um, no longer... Um, those in leadership were not as encouraging to step forward into a field that's all male, into something new. 
and they would encourage me to get a teaching degree, uh, something that was um, a regular, a regular, understandable degree for a woman on uh, nursing, teaching, or social work. And so I did teaching and went forth in that ministry. Wow. You know, and I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, when you said gender, I just sort of gave my bride a head nod because that happens so often. And, it, and it's something that's entrenched in the church. And we have to be careful because, you know, if you have a calling on your life and you have the uh, desire and the obedience to carry it out, then you need to walk in that. You need to walk in that calling. And, and you know, I, I'm glad that you did not succumb to some of the uh, challenges that were placed uh, in front of you. Now, one thing I will say <laughs> is that, you know, when some people are called to ministry, they run. You know, they they won't. I mean, your case is different because you said, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And I got people around me that are going to support me. But, uh, Dianthea, there are so many people that will go, I don't want to do that. I like my life. Mm -hmm. I like the way I live. Mm -hmm. And and it, it can be a challenge. So I applaud you for that. But let me ask you, did you have any thoughts that that maybe this was going to be too much or maybe I should do something different? With so many people telling me that this was not a call of God to walk into something that was all male-oriented, I did cower under, and I did move into another direction. But I kept feeling the call over and over again. And so for the next 20, 25 years, I moved in the, my ministry of teaching. And I said, perhaps this is the call you want, because I was touching the lives of thousands of children during the 28 years that I taught, and I was touching their homes, their parents, um, helping them to um, get back in school, get their GEDs, and all of that. So I said, well, Lord, but I kept hearing, even though I kept saying, one hand, this is my call, I will do this, and I will do it faithfully. And then also when the kids were smaller, my pastors, because I kept bringing it up to different pastors as I grew older and older, and when the kids were like three or four, the pastors would tell me then, uh, no, your calling is to home and ministry. Your first ministry is your family to produce a godly home and family. And I did all of that. And then later the kids got only no, your ministry is just to support your husband. No, your ministry is that. And so, yes, in essence, I did run. I just said, okay, this is what God is calling me for. Because at that time, we're talking maybe 30 years ago, Women were not um, being ordained, licensed or ordained um, in the Baptist church anyway. Um, and so this was something new I'm saying to all these different pastors. I sort of blaze, as one minister says, science, and you blaze the field for so many other women. Because down the road, as I kept asking and asking, the doors kept closing, you're married. Now the new thing was, um, now I raised my family, kids were going off to college, whatever. Oh, you cannot um, do that because you're a married woman, you're a first lady, and your place is to be sitting there smiling with your hat and whatever, and uh, I'm looking wise and unwise, you know. And, but um, God kept pushing, and there was a nudging in my spirit by his Holy Spirit I have something greater. You must be bold and step into it. But I was afraid because I kept hearing no, no, no. And even um, with my husband, he would later, um, um, once he attended seminary, he would later have a different idea of 
of God, not limiting who God can use, but it just wasn't going to be his wife. And so I once again, I, I became very angry at this time, and I, I started saying, well, God either takes this call off my life, because I kept hearing it stronger and stronger as the kids went off to college, and I, I kept hearing, uh, take, I kept hearing I, I'm going to do a great thing in your life. I said, well, unless you change the hearts of these people, um, it's not going to happen. I was really doubting if I was even hearing God anymore. But um, I, I finally said one day in anger, God, um, remove this call off my life or change the people. And God would um, finally, when I stopped wrestling with it so much and remove all the bitterness and anger that was caring because I I knew what God had said to me. And I was like, okay, God, it's in your hand. I'm through with it. Immediately within that year, God um, opened doors for me to be licensed by my husband. And four years later, I was ordained by the American Baptist Church. And that is just not something easily done. I became the first a pastor wife to be a Dane in this position. And um, I have I have learned as I look back now that we cannot limit God, the creator of this heaven and earth. We cannot limit what he is able to do if we would only be patient, obedient, and trust him. So that's where I am today. That is awesome. And that is a great way for us to take a quick break. And when we come back, we just have more questions for you, and we're going to continue to dive uh, into this. But I just want to take a moment and let you know that, I mean, your testimony is is so powerful and you're hopefully encouraging those that are on the other end who are being called to ministry and just don't know, you know, should I do it? Should I take this leap of faith? And um, I think that your story is just very encouraging and is going to allow people who are doubting themselves or even second guessing what their calling is in this lifetime to uh, to take care. So um, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll have some more questions for you. Stay tuned, everybody. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to Discover the Leader in You. We're talking about answering the call of godly leadership as a woman of purpose. And we are just talking about powerful testimony today and how God calls you to lead and you should not ignore the call. And so before we went on break... Um, I had a question just just to follow up with our conversation. But before I ask that question, I would not be doing my job if I didn't give a shout out to Mike, who is our uh, producer in the studio. Big Mike! (laughs) Does a fantastic job with the music and just making sure that we stay on cue with our show. Yes, So thank you for all that you do, Mike. That's right. Now, um, Reverend Dianthea, what does godly leadership entail for you? What does that look like for you? Got a leadership. Um, it's one where um, we are moving in all that God has called us to, but we are moving not anxiously, but we are moving in faith. We're moving um, as if we trust the Creator that He knows what He's doing. Um, God a leadership also requires us to have a heart to heart connection with God before we can do anything, before we can even minister or do anything, our connection with him must be one of intimacy, a relationship with him. So we'll be able to walk in all that he's called us to because we know his voice and we're not stepping out with the voice of others or even our own voice. Um, As I said, we're not anxious. We're trusting him to define 
where he's causing our life, and then refine us. And then once he has defined what he has called us to and refined us through the fires, then he can assign those things that he has called us to. During the break, I was thinking about that strong cause that you were talking about, and I realized that I had been walking all along. We had something called a neighborhood oasis that the newspaper did a two-page article about what I was doing in the neighborhood with the kids. So that was walking in my call. As a classroom teacher, that was walking in my call. And we also had a young adult fellowship at our home where we took those who were out of college and, and not quite married, and we met with them. That was walking in our call, or walking in my call. And then I began a women's group before um, I went on to Ashland Seminary. And this women's group will meet once a week in my home because the call was heavy upon me. And when you have that call, you have to act on it. And in acting on it, these are the things that God was using to promote me even further to what he had called me to. Mm, that's good stuff right there. You know, and and keeping with that, that same tenet there, you know, you talked about several things. You talked about obedience, relationship intimacy and not just following what our flesh will sometimes tell us to do or just what our mind will tell us to do. But let me ask you this. Um, When you start talking about godly leadership, you know, we and I'm going to put you on front street here a little bit now, because what happens a lot of times you have people that over spiritualize things and they'll say, well, you know, if if God wants this for me, it will happen. Or people will say, well, that's God's will. And I think we have to be careful, too, because if we're being obedient, it's not going to always be pretty, you know, Reverend. So I think we have to remember after, like I said, 20 years in ministry, actually over 20 years now, there have been some times where some folks need to be rebuked. And rebuke means, hey, you know what? You're wrong. (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, You need to grow, develop, mature. And when you are also submitting yourself to godly leadership, it's not going to always be pretty. And that rebuking has to take place. And and I think there has to be both sides to that. You know, we're going to love on as many people as we can. We're going to help them as much as we can. But when people are wrong, then they're wrong. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that when you talk about godly leadership? Godly leadership, as you uh, as you say, um, things will come in our lives that are negative, and we must speak to those things. Yes. But I have also learned that sometimes you don't have to address those things that are ignorant. You can ignore it and move into the fullness of what God has called you to. Last year, if I had to say, the worst year of my life was 215, and this looked like everything, all the negative forces, this and that. And you know, once God starts promoting, you get haters. You get those who are upset because uh, what they've been waiting for uh, hasn't yet um, been materialized, and, and they do not have the faith to just believe and wait on God for it. And so they attack, and they come after you. And sometimes when you're not prayed up, I was in the midst of finishing my doctoral work, and sometimes when you're not focused on what you need and your prayer life sort of slips to the side or whatever, you are open yourself up for these many attacks. And I went into a deep, deep pit, and I, I draw that woe is me, the whole thing that uh, we all do when we do our pit dwelling. 
But I remember the Lord saying to me, um, um, be still, be still. Uh, those things that I have called you to are still going to happen if you can only trust me. And so I had to pull myself out of that pit dwelling and turn off those negative voices. I began shutting down anything, Facebook uh, friends, anybody that would come at me and wasn't there to help me to grow into those things that God had called me to. So I distanced those uh, uh, distant people, organization, programs, anything that was not uh, healthy for me. And I was in a period of just being still before the Lord, being quiet and resting in what he is saying and saturating myself with those things. No, I don't believe when things happen. You said sometimes people was like, well, that is God's will. No, I know what God's will is. And so when people come at me, well, that is not the will of God. I guess it wasn't meant to be. If you have that kind of relationship with God, you know what his will is. It's just like me being married to my husband. We'll be 38 years come April 2nd. I know my husband's voice. I know I can finish his sentence and whatever. And so if our relationship with God is like that, we know God's heart. And so I'm able to tune out those things, even my own voice of doubt, and listen um, to him. And sometimes, as I say, I might forget or slip back into my flesh, and it's like, whoa, it's me. But but sooner or later, uh, the Spirit of the Lord will come strong and powerfully upon me, and I will be able to step boldly into all that he has called me to. Well, thank you for that uh, testimony. And just also, just your transparency and authenticity relative to some of the things that you experienced in 2015. And we're trusting and believing that God is going to show up in a powerful way in 2016. And I think it's already started. <laughs> I mean, hey, you, you're on the show, you're broadcasting live to over 200,000 people. So you, you got to love that when you start talking about testimonials. So let me let me ask you this then. So, you know, you said several things there relative to understanding what godly leadership is. And you also gave us some some great points uh, that we can sort of just stick a pin in. When you talked about obedience, relationship, intimacy, all those different things. And then it permeates how you engage others as you interact with them. So if I were to ask you to describe your understanding, because it's a two-part show, your understanding of God's purpose for your life, what would that look like? What what would that look like so maybe some someone in our listening audience can have a better idea of what their purpose is? My purpose, as I see it, is to, to promote um, God's kingdom. That's simple. I have a, a ministry that ministers to leadership. I've always had it, um, and I'm an encourager. Uh, in the faith, I encourage those who are in leadership. I've been doing it for years through cards and letters. Because a lot of times those in leadership, like pastors and pastors' wives and deacons or whatever, they are so busy giving to others that they have no one that's standing there in the gap for them. And so my calling has been to those in ministry and uh, to promote a healthy living for them and to know, uh, let them know that someone's there standing in the gap for them. Oh, I really like that. I, you know what? My, when my wife told me about you, I said, you know what? She sounds like she understands how this thing works. And when you said promote the kingdom and standing in the gap for others, you know what, uh, Reverend? I, I think that you have a mighty call on your life and the ability to be disciplined. 
you know, to actually not only promote the kingdom in season and out. And I think you know what I mean by that (laughs) when it's popular and when it's not, you know, yeah, that's it, sis, you know, because people will reject you and people will say it doesn't take all that. And and the list goes on and on. But when you have that calling on your life and you're obedient to answer that, that is such a powerful thing. And, And I pray that you will continue to speak in other people's lives and, and stand in the gap for them because, you know what, I won't pull out all the data, but I think we're anywhere from 50 to 65% of pastors that leave the ministry from yeah. burnout and being overwhelmed and just, you know, I've written articles about it. It can just be devastating to you and, and to your family. So just the fact that you'll stand in the gap for them is just a powerful thing. So continue to do that. I think it's amazing. I think uh, to just being able to answer the call to uh, to godly leadership is is huge in itself because, like I said earlier, some people will run the opposite way instead of answering their call, and so it's just it's huge that you know that you're not gonna just hide. You'll stand in the gap for someone and be there to to witness with them and to them um, God's work at the end of the day. Yeah, thank you for that, honey. And so we're gonna transition here, but right before we transition, uh, just want to let everybody know when we come back, if you want to understand and experience Reverend Dr. Uh, Dianthea. I want her to be ready to give information on how she can uh, be contacted and where the church is, where the services normally are. And uh, so when we come back from break, you have a better idea of that. And I also want to know if uh, the doctor is taking the plunge on social media. (laughs) So we'll talk about that too. We'll be right back, everybody. jamming everybody <laughs> welcome back to answering the call to godly leadership as a woman of purpose on the discovered leader in you show i am your co-host dr jason carthen the uh discover uh, you know what I like I'm just how going. he just flipped that he is the host i'm the co-host he's been trying to get me to take over it's not happening <laughs> my wife just giving me a hard time you know and you know we have to laugh sometimes on the show and I want everybody to know that we are just human beings and we absolutely love the calling on our lives to uh, just impact people in a very positive way. So make sure you stay connected with us. Before we transition, uh, we were actually asking uh, Reverend Dr. Dianthea just the idea of just, you know, you're doing all these different things. You're answering your call. You're promoting the kingdom. And not only that, you are speaking into other people's lives. So let me ask you, how can people get in contact with you or how can they come and maybe visit the church or where, how, how would they do that? Well, first of all, um, our church is, is Fidelity Baptist Church and um, historical site, 125 years there. It is on 8402 Way Park. Okay. And, and um, and um, this Sunday, um, we are having a large service at 11, so we'll love you to come. I'm the speaker. We're having found this day for the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, and so it will be a dynamic service, and God has a powerful word uh, for us. Amen. That's awesome. But, uh, but to answer your question, how do they can contact me? For a long time, I was so anti anything technology because I didn't come up in that air. But my mentor, Dr. Uh, Matt Mickles, encouraged me to try the 
Internet, and in particular, Facebook, to minister. And I've been there for three years, and I love it. Um, I consider myself there a church without walls there, ministering to those who are unchurched or who, for one reason or another, do not go to church on a regular basis. And so um, they can reach me there at Facebook. I love my ministry there. And though, um, what's the so, uh, what's the name of the uh, page, or do they just uh, type in your name, or how does how does that work? Diane, yes, Diantia Gilmore, D I A N T H I A Gilmore, G I L M O R E. Okay, perfect. So they can do a search and they can uh, actually find you there. Well, I tell you what, I mean, just just knowing that, you know, your ministry goes outside of the church walls is going to be very comforting for many people. I, I know for me, one of the biggest uh, concerns that certain people had uh, during my times of ministering is that, you know, they felt like, well, I don't want to come to the church, am I going to be judged or how, how am I going to be perceived? And sometimes all it takes, and I'm not advocating that people don't go to church, but what I am saying, you know, you never forsake the fellowship of the assembly, as the Bible tells us. But you also have to remember that this is a new day and age, as you shared, and people want to be able to engage you and understand you. And that's like an opportunity for them okay. to then want more and then come and visit and know that they won't be judged. And and they won't be ridiculed. So I'm glad that you're doing that. I'm glad you're on Facebook. And, and maybe even we can get you on Twitter. You, you never know. <laughs> that would be a good thing. All right. So with that being said, you know, I just really want to make sure that we touch on a lot of the uh, remaining points here. I just had a couple more questions. You know, how can you explain the difference between God-given purpose and self-driven purpose? A lot of times we 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 <laughs> we call ourselves to a lot of different things, and like you said, we say God said this and God said that. But a God-driven purpose is one that God has instilled in us a long time. It's just not something that someone says, "Why well, I think that God is calling you to ministry," or "I think that you should be this and you should do." You know what is God-driven? It is uh, as you said earlier in the show. It's affirmed by others. Your walk, those things you have um, done, those things are affirmed. And so um, as you look back on your life, it, it's like a, a map. It's like a, a footsteps in the sand that's leading to this goal that God has set for you. And so those who have their own um, driven purpose for their life, you can look behind you, and you will not necessarily see all of those footsteps that are leading to uh, what you said God has called you to. It's just all you'll look back and it's blank. There are no steps. There are nothing. And so that's the main difference, I believe. You will see a pattern of things that are happening. As I said, my neighborhood oasis thing that the newspaper wrote about, uh, my time in the classroom with the students and the parents, my time with um, with uh, groups that met in my home, the young people who met in my home for years, and then even the Bible study groups and by, um, book study groups that met through here, all had the same message. God is calling you to be a blessing to those around you, and in particular, leadership. Mm, that's good stuff right there. And I think people need to understand as well that, you know what, you will have and receive affirmation and confirmation through your word as well. That's right. You know, it's not 
<clears throat> excuse me, it's not just uh, when other people tell you because people can, you know, I, I'm not going to go down that path, but you have to be careful because everyone is not going to validate. I mean, I think just hearing what you said today, you know, that some people would say, no, that's not your calling. Don't do that. You have to be careful. You have to be in your word. Your prayer life needs to be rich. You need to make sure you're spending time, devotional time, and you receive that confirmation because something that I learned even through my doctoral studies and also my my writing, my publications, is that you're going to have some very barren times, some some challenging times, dark nights of the soul uh, is what it's been likened to. And and unless your your calling and confirmation is sure, then it's okay. going to be so easy I to think turn that, your back on it. I think it all ties into why you're doing what you do as well. Because if you're doing it so that the world will affirm you, then you might as well stop doing it right now because exactly. it's not the world's job to affirm you. That's your relationship with God and the level of intimacy that you carry with him and, and how you feel about yourself and your work for God. Yeah, that's good I, I stuff, honey. It is about loving God with all that is in you, loving him with our soul, our mind, and our strength. And as Dr. Jason says, that that call is affirmed over and over through the Word, um, through our quiet time, our meditation time. We, um, I believe in doing something I call my breathing time in the morning with the Lord, where I'm just sitting quietly. It's a discipline, a spiritual discipline that I practice. And I sit, to, I sit quietly for 15 to 20 minutes just breathing in God, a particular message or a particular word that God has given me uh, for that uh, day or just for that season of my life. And I breathe it in and out. And during that time, the Lord will minister to me. I usually keep a little notebook uh, beside me. And the Lord would, um, uh, and I, I do it also in the pulpit as well. And God will uh, give me little tidbits a little bit more of what he wants me to do, the nay step, the nay move. And so I'm not moving in my own strength, but I am moving in the strength of the Lord, uh, being led by his precious Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. And, you know, it, it reminds me too, Reverend, <clears throat> of the idea of the movie, The War Room. And yeah, our family, we had opportunity to watch that. Love and, it. you know, in some ways, my daughter's in the studio with us now. She's nodding, <laughs> saying yes, yes, because, I mean, it brought us to tears in a lot of ways because, yeah. you know, there are going to be times that, you know, we need that that period of reflection. We need that quiet time. And, and it is a discipline, as you likened it to, because, you know, many people can't do that. And I remember, and I'm really going to be transparent, when I was younger and I would try and do that quiet time, I'd fall asleep. I mean, it would be like, okay, this is this is hard to just kind of meditate on this and, and be alone and I'm going to pray. And But it requires discipline. And the older you get, the more you understand that that is your sweet time with the Lord, you know, and it's a it's a good thing to be able to do that. And it comes with maturity. It comes with uh, just a desire too. And when you look back on what God has done for you, you realize, too, that, wow, you know, I I deserve an opportunity to be with him, to make sure that I need to spend this time with him. And and so you you make sure you put in the time to be able to do that. And that's why you will enjoy my book once I find a publisher <laughs> developing deeper intimacy with God through the practice of spiritual disciplines. And how we can do those, there are about 64 disciplines. I will only be talking on seven of them. And these disciplines of prayer and fasting and journaling and silence and solitude, these things that will draw us um, closer to God's heart and also will allow us to be able to hear his voice. 
where we are praying without ceasing and we're moving daily in his steps. Now, Pastor, let me ask you this now. I'll make a deal with you. If you go ahead and get that publisher and you develop that discipline to get it published, would you come back on the show? I sure will. All right. So we're going to hold you to that. (laughs) That's right. So we have issued you a challenge. You got to make it happen. Get that publisher. And you know what? I just want to let you know. I mean, we're out of time, but I just want to let you know that we have truly appreciated having you on the show today. And it was like a breath of fresh air. Just the idea that, you know, you're not ashamed of the gospel. You're not ashamed to share not only what's happened to you in your life, but also how you can encourage others. So make sure you keep doing that. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, you have been listening to Discover the Leader in You and my beautiful bride, Mariti Carthen and Dr. Jason Carthen. We always consider it a privilege to have you tune in. Make sure you check back with us again next week. Take care now. You've been listening to Discover the Leader in You with the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthen. We want to hear from you. Connect with us now. Visit our blog and visit our website at jasoncarthen.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Enterprises. Follow us on Twitter at Jason Carthen. Let's keep the conversation going. And if you want to listen to the podcast, go to jasoncarthenradio.com. Be sure to join us every Sunday at 2 p.m. on AM 1420, The Answer, to discover the leader in you. If you would like to be a sponsor for Discover the Leader in You, call Scott Souza at 1-440-552-2995. That's 1-440-552-2995.